This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We'll switch gears here a little bit in the 9 o'clock hour. In about 10, 15 minutes, uh, Chris Miles, the host of Game Time on NBA TV, uh, set to join us. We'll take a spin around the NBA as we're at the halfway mark uh, in the season. We'll ask Chris about all the hot-hitting storylines across the association uh, as we hit the midway point. Right now, though, time for a new installment here on Overtime. It's Nell's five-star performers of the night, my top five performances from across the NBA last night. They're playing basketball. Uh, all around the world. To the beach, y'all. It's Nell's five-star performers of the night. The top five performances from across the NBA in the night that was. We'll start in Minnesota Timberwolves, winners of four straight, starting to catch fire uh, after a rough start to the season. Sadiq Bay of the Pistons having none of it, just flat out getting buckets in any way you like. Triples, mid-range, fast breaks, you got it. Boy on the fourth court, inside for Sadiq Bay. That is Sadiq Bay, part of his 31-point performance, 4 of 6 from downtown. The Pistons getting over on the Timberwolves last night. Our two-star performance of the night. Out west, John Morant and the Grizzlies running it up. Winners of seven in a row heading into last night. They're tied for the best record in the Western Conference. They hosted the Spurs, and in this life, three things are certain. Death, taxes, John Morant putting somebody's son on a post. A part of a 38-point performance. Grizzlies winners of eight in a row as they continue to run a rough shot in the Western Conference. The reigning back-to-back MVP, Nikola Jokic, coming in with our three-star performance of the night. Nuggets playing host to a shorthanded Suns team who was out DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul. The Joker, though, all night long doing things to the Suns that ain't so funny. He has been shooting it pretty well. Joker with a steal on Biombo. Hits him clean. This the layup kept it alive. Three for a quarter. Timothy Jones out. 
That bucket is part of a near triple-double performance for Nikola Jokic. 21 points, 18 rebounds, 9 assists in the Nuggets' 126-97 win over the Suns. Our four-star performance of the night, we head to the Big Apple. The New York Knicks, winners of five out of their last six games. Huge matchup last night versus the Pacers. Both these teams jockeying for playoff positioning in the Eastern Conference. And I'll say this about the Knicks and the Pacers. Two teams that are right now exceeding expectations as we get closer to the All-Star break. And speaking of exceeding expectations, Jalen Brunson, former second-round pick and now a franchise cornerstone for the Knicks, showing last night why it's all about buckets in the garden. Randall, kick, Barrett, drives up a Taze. Brunson waiting for three, knocks it down. That three, a part of a 34-point performance from the former Villanova Wildcat. Knicks 119-113 winners are now sitting sole possession of the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. It is the moment you have all been waiting for. My five-star performance of last night across the association will stay in the East. We'll just move a little bit further up the standings. The Boston Celtics, currently the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They rolled out the welcome mat last night for a feisty New Orleans Pelicans team who was without Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Good news for Boston. They were at full strength. Jason Tatum having an MVP caliber start to the year. But last night was all about what Brown could do for you. It's 4.15 to go in the third. Forty-one points and twelve rebounds last night for Jalen Brown in the Celtics' one twenty-five, one fourteen win over the Pelicans. Boston continuing to flex their muscles in the East. Crucial stretch coming up as Kevin Durant is on the show for Brooklyn. Boston can widen their lead in the Eastern Conference while KD is on the shelf. Those two teams actually duking it out right now. It is the Celtics and Nets. The Celtics actually holding a two-point lead over Brooklyn right now as they get ready to enter the fourth quarter. The high man for Boston right now, Jason Tatum, 17 points on 6 of 16 shooting. The uh, Celtics without Jalen Brown tonight as he is dealing with an injury, second night of a back-to-back for Boston, so it may just be uh, for some rest purposes. But I'm shocked uh, by the results of this one. Brooklyn only down two heading into the fourth quarter. Like we know, they are without Kevin Durant, who's going to be on the shelf uh, for at least the next month or so as he's dealing with with that MCL sprain. Right now, Kyrie Irving, the high man uh, for Brooklyn, 6-14 of from the field, including 3-8 of from the great beyond. The surprising thing, though, tonight, Ben Simmons, 0 points, 13 assists, 9 rebounds. So flirting with the double-double without the points here. He's got 4 fouls, uh, but Ben Simmons in that first quarter, 7 assists. I know there was a concerted effort from Nets head coach Jacques Vaughn to make sure Ben Simmons uh, got more integrated in this Nets offense early and often. They're not worried about the scoring. They need Ben Simmons, the facilitator. Another huge addition for the Brooklyn Nets this offseason that I think a lot of people might have slept on, former Pacers forward T.J. Warren. He's coming off the bench tonight, continuing to deal uh, and try to recover from the foot injury that cut his season short last year. He's red hot entering the fourth quarter, 8 of 14, Uh, from the field, one of three from beyond the arc, 17 points, uh, the second leading scorer on the team right now 
for the Brooklyn Nets. We'll continue our conversation about the NBA on the other side of this break. Chris Miles, uh, the host of NBA Game Time on NBA TV, is set to join us next. We'll take his temperature on the Washington Wizards and the rest of the NBA landscape as we officially hit the halfway portion of the season. Don't go anywhere. This is Overtime. Joining us right now on the BetQL guest hotline is the host of NBA TV's Game Time. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Miles. It is Chris Miles. Chris, my guy, long time no talk. How you doing, my man? Doing great, man. I mean, this season's been crazy. Like, you get 40, I get 40, everybody <laughs> get 40, people. Yeah, man, one of the uh, marquee games on right now, I'm sure you're tuned into it, is on TNT, Boston in Brooklyn going at it. Uh, we were just doing our, our five-star performances from last night. Jalen Brown getting busy last night in their game, but tonight a no-show as he's out. Do you know why Jalen is out tonight, and are you surprised uh, that Boston's still able to hang one on Brooklyn right now despite being without Jalen Brown? No, I mean, Kevin, Kevin Durant's out, too, right. right? So the Nets got some stuff they got to figure out, and it's just uh, – I think it was hip abductor stress, and anybody knows, you know, like – if you hit the treadmill too long, you're like, man, my hips are tight today. Um, yeah. And with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they played the night before, and Jalen Brown had 41 points, right? So right. imagine you have to make your little sore in the hips man, <laughs> when you become the 95th player this season to score 40 points. <laughs> Chris, what do you make of that, though, man? Like, you're making jokes about it, but clearly scoring across the NBA is at a super high clip. I saw a stat on Twitter that there are more 20-point-per-game scores this year right now through the first half of the season than there has been in the history of the league. Why do you think scoring is up so much right now? And do you think it's something that'll be here to stay for a while? Um, I think it's a combination of things, right? Um, One thing that changed this particular season, you know, the take foul. Yeah. So we're getting a transition buckets, um, you know, that we kind of looked at before, like, oh, we weren't getting those. And now it's like, all right, so you add that to the fold with guys like John Morant and Shea Gildas-Alexander, that when they're gone, they're gone, right? Like, right. You, you can't stop them with a quick foul. So I think that in and of itself has uh, propelled some of the transition guys, you know, from being instead of like a 23 or 24 point per game score to a 30 point uh, score, legit. Um, I think guys are more skilled now than ever. That's a thing. But I think the defensive schemes, you know, Isaiah Thomas uh, went on a whole rant last Wednesday on our show. He's like, it's a defensive schemes and some issues. And, you know, it's not often that I got to give the, the Wizards credit, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> and what I saw from what they did against the Chicago Bulls at the end of that game, I don't know if you watched the, the Bulls-Wizards game last night, but they switched their defensive scheme three times in the fourth quarter. Now, it helps that DeMar DeRozan was out. Right. Right? Like, we do understand that. But Zach Levine had, um, you know, 38, and then they trapped him, and everybody knows Zach Levine's a terrible passer, right? Right. So he threw the ball away. And then they did, like, a, a fake trap where they looked like they were going to go into it, and then Zach Levine drove really quickly and helped the vendor was at the basket, and they blocked Zach Levine. You see what I mean? Right. Um, so I thought the Wizards' late-game defensive execution – was really good. And then Levine hit like a crazy three. Yeah. Um, but the defense was good. Like, I, right. I just thought that was a tough shot that he made. So I thought the Wizards' late game execution is what we need to see more of. We need to see teams, 
you know, defend the guy one-on-one, then send the trap, like make them think the game through more right. instead of just going through their progression and, and being comfortable uh, throughout. I want to take a look at the Eastern Conference standings, man, and specifically look at Brooklyn and the way that they've been able to to ascend here in the months of December and January. Go back a little bit for me, back in time here a little bit, when they made the move to part ways with Steve Nash. What difference, whether it's on the court or just from relationships in the locker room, does Jacques Vaughn have for that program? Well, uh, Steve Nash, Hall of Fame player, right? Right. But as a coach, the grades weren't very good. <laughs> you know, he was, um, I would say, a 90 as a basketball player. As a coach, he was like a D minus, you know, like a 65. And, and I just. You being I mean, nice. Look, I, wish, I wish I was graded on your, on your grading scale back in high school, man. Sheesh. Yeah. I just, <laughs> it, it just every report, every, you know, single sentiment that pointed to what the team did and didn't do. Um, and it's something as simple as what, how Kevin Durant was you. Yeah. You know, the coaches pointed this out to me that last year Kevin Durant was bringing the ball to the floor. They're like, well, why would you have KD waste that energy? You know, and now um, whether it's Ben Simmons or Kyrie or, you know, Seth Curry, or, somebody else is bringing the ball to the floor. Right. Therefore, every time KD touches it, he's in a situation to try to use his, utilize his skills best to score. So that's something that Jock Vaughn has done immediately. And then defensively, they are just showing that they're capable to be a better defensive team. So uh, make with that as you will. But whether it's schemes or uh, just guys believing and playing harder, uh, those things have changed under Jock Vaughn. When I ask you about one of the messier situations in the Eastern Conference, Chris, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, we had feel like over the past week or so, the, the rumors and the dysfunction has kind of slowed down here a little bit. But as they sit here, uh, clearly a disappointment through the first half of the season. They sit at 19 and 22, currently holding down the nine spot in the Eastern Conference. We've heard rumblings about, you know, how fond Trey Young and, and Nate McMillan are of each other. Uh, what have you heard about that situation? And are you surprised uh, at their inability to find success here in the first half of the season? Well, oh man, having a front row seat for the Hawks and watching them often, uh, kind of like I did when I was in D.C. with the Wizards. Yeah. It's really like anything else. Um, it's Trey Young's shot selection. Because we can point at the percentages and, right. and this, that, and a third. But just the deflation of the other guys on the team when he takes like that long three and it misses and the other team gets a layup because now you don't have the take foul, right? right. Um, and adding DeJounte Murray, it, it, it looks to me as clear as day that the players are galvanized. They're behind Murray. Um, but on the other side, it's like they don't seem to really be um, behind Trey Young. That's what I've seen from the Atlanta Hawks, and I think that's a huge issue. Now, Nate McMillan... You know, remember the reason he let go, uh, what was he at, Indiana before? Because mm-hmm. they couldn't get out of the first round. So he's had this, like, cloud over him that by going to the, you know, Eastern Conference Finals, it was like, oh, that was lifted. It was like, well, hold on. Uh, you couldn't get out of the first round. Now, after that trip to the Eastern Conference Finals, the team is imploding. I think that's what Trey Young's pointing to because offensively, their sets seem to be stale. At least that's what I'm told, right? So – I don't know. I think it's a situation where who is the real villain in this situation? 
Um, and two two years from now, we'll have that answer because one or the other is going to be gone. Yeah, I think it'll be Nate McMillan soon. And if the Hawks turn around, then you can point fingers like, hey, yeah, that coach, man, you know. Well, well I know uh, if Nate. If they don't Nate, turn it around, you can't. Yeah, Nate, Nate gets a, a, the short end of the stick in this situation, Chris. But the reports that came out earlier in the year, that piece from The Athletic basically saying that Trey Young wasn't holding up his end of the bargain in his rehab or something like that. It seems like year in and year out, we're hearing these like constant hints at maybe Trey Young the human being isn't mature of an NBA player. Do we like him to be, to be somebody who's leading a franchise like this? I mean, I, to hear something like that, that he's not showing up to a game. I mean, it's unprecedented. Well, that it's funny. Cause I, I hear that sentence and I'm like, okay, what had happened was, <laughs> right. it's like, Hey, you don't show up to shoot around. Don't come to games. Like, Oh, we're a coach. All right. You said I can't come to the game. That's not what I said. That's what I heard you say. <laughs> you know, like, and if you've ever been around Trey Young, that's exactly how he operates and moves and you kind of go. Not that he's unprofessional, but he kind of, you know, he's going to do, he's going to, he's going to take it for what it is and make an action. And I think that's what happened in that situation. Yeah. I was definitely uh, caught off guard when I saw that. And it really got me paying closer attention uh, to what Atlanta's got going on, you mentioned uh, the addition of DeJounte Murray. This summer when we talked, Chris, I mean, you were so high on Atlanta, and rightfully so. I mean, adding DeJounte Murray seemingly was that missing piece uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. As we know, Trey Young ain't guarding nobody, so you had to get a guard of the ilk of a DeJounte Murray that can go out and take the opposing team's you know toughest offensive assignment. John Collins is another part of this scenario. I have saw rumors about him being potentially traded that's been really for the last two seasons what type of return are they asking for in return for John Collins and do you think it makes sense from the Hawks perspective to try to move him well what's crazy is like I used to think the Wizards were a good destination and and I go crazy bro but now it's like all right I guess not like they've kind of where you're going to put him with the other 12 power forwards they have you know (laughs) um but it's just he plays a lot. John Collins plays a lot better when it's DeJounte Murray on the floor than when it's Trey Young. And, you know, he's kind of this undersized four with leaping ability, but shoots a lot of threes. So there's just so much there that you wonder if a new situation, would he be better or would his career just fizzle? But they paid him. Um, so it's kind of like, this is your guy, right? They paid him, DeAndre Hunter and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Obviously, Trey Young. So they, they chose those guys and kind of go, man, do they wish they chose Kevin Herter? Like, yeah. do they wish they made one or two decisions differently? And I think that's what the Hawks are. I'm going to go ahead and get your flowers real quick, big bro, because you called this. This summer when we talked, my man, who did you tell me if he was healthy, this team was going to go out and, and be one of the top teams in the West? The Pelicans, dog. I mean, I am stunned at their ability. I don't even want to use the word stun because we saw it last year in the postseason. There's just a grittiness about that group. And I, I wonder how much of it stems from Willie Green being a former player and just being able to relate to these dudes and show them the ropes on how to be a pro for 82 nights out of the year. What have you seen from the Pelicans? And are you surprised that they've been able to stay afloat even with Zion being in and out of the lineup as of late? B.I. on the shelf as well right now, too. Well, I tell you what, I actually had a conversation with their general manager, David Griffin, um, in Vegas about three weeks ago. But that was between 
was before Christmas. Okay. Uh, that week, the week before Christmas. <laughs> we went crazy. And, um, well, I think they're going to make a deal. Now, he didn't say that. Hmm. But what he kind of said is, you know, look at our team. We got the right guys, the right culture. But when everybody's healthy, I don't know if everybody's going to be happy. And I hmm. think what he's looking to do is take, you know, two or three or four of these, like, gritty, really good guys and give them all this depth package them for another very high impact type of player. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I like try to say a name, um, you know, like think what Ben Simmons was in Philadelphia before the, you know, the Atlanta Hawks series, right? right? Like a guy who's maybe an all-star or maybe close to it, but impacts the game in a lot of different ways. I think he's looking at it like, all right, I got to get Brandon Ingram and Zion on the floor together. I got CJ McCollum. I need somebody up front. That's more of an impact player. I think that's what he's looking for. And I think, you know, the Pelicans need to be healthy to really, for that to really come to fruition, right. even though they're amongst the teams in the Western conference, man, they, they lead the league in uh, games missed, yeah. which is crazy to think that they're right there with that being a fact. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, obviously I'm, um, I covered the Pelicans before coming to DC so I got some contacts down there, and then they hired David Griffin, one of my former coworkers. Right. So I'm tapped in with that team, and I'm like, it's now. the time is now. Yeah. Uh, but one, one more guys that you might not notice that they, you know, they have on the team like Garrett Temple. Uh, they they bring in guys that I don't know if you saw the C.J. McCollum quote. It was like, oh, C.J. won't be all star. He's like, I get paid like an all star. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like they got guys with that kind of thought process. That's why, hey, Pretty. we you can keep the all stars, you can keep all that stuff. We here together doing our thing. And CJ and Colin should be an all star shit, by the way. And, and what have you made of the development, man? Because when I see Herb Jones come in and have an impact the way he has, our local product, Najee Marshall, he's coming into his own this year, getting starts and, and putting up 18 points. The culture that they've established there, where do you think it roots from? Well, I think part of it is, first of all, when I was down there, they had an awful culture that they couldn't figure out, right? Right. So um, I hate to say it in this way, but, you know, for a long time, this is what Chris Paul was dealing with. Um, the ownership situation was, unfortunately, Tom Benson, who uh, passed away, he just was, he was not involved with the team, right? Right. And I think since his passing, um, ownership is more involved. And they're making better decisions with uh, management, coaching, like through and through the business is being run better. And I think you're starting to see the basketball end uh, finally come together in that way. But I, I just think they were in a situation where it was Saints season, waiting for Saints season down there. And the owner put everything he had into it. And unfortunately, you know, his passing. But I think when that happened, you can kind of look at the line of demarcation um, because the Anthony Davis trade happened right after. Right. right. So like, <laughs> it's like, hey, all right, this is what we're like. They just went on an entirely different route. And I, I think that's what you're seeing now. Chris, you know, a team that can go that, that needs to go an entirely different route and needs to blow it up from from the ground up that refuses <laughs> to do it. The Washington Wizards. What have you made of them through the first half of the season? They got three 20-point-per-game scores. The depth 
seems to be there when they're healthy, but the problem is they can't stay healthy. I had a person close to the organization, Chris, tell me this. He put it beautifully. He said, man, the Wizards are a team that really can't afford any type of adversity. And then when they do face any sort of adversity, they crumble. So what do you say uh, in terms of what they should do moving forward? Do you give this big three all the way up until the all-star break? Or do you start? Oh, okay. What did you say? The what? (laughs) The three 20 point per game scores they got, my man. It's a big three. First of all, they have three. They got three guys that average 20 because they're never on the floor at the same time. <laughs> so that's, that's, it's, it's context. Oh, it's very man. important. Go ahead. Cause I know man. you, I know you itching to talk about this. Look, I said it when this happened. Um, and you know, it rubbed some people the wrong way. Of course. But when Bradley Beal sat out the bubble and Devin Booker and the Suns went eight and oh in the bubble. I was like, you know what? You got to move Bill now. Mm. Because what, there's a certain type of guy that you pay max money to. Mm. And it's a guy that can lead you to the finals, a guy that, that can help you compete for a championship. Yeah, they call them 1A guys, right? Right. And I'm like, Devin Booker proved to me then he's one of those guys. Now, if you remember, the Suns had only had losing records. Right. And I was like, it's coming. Look at what he just did. He just showed everybody, like, hey, they say we can't make it, but they make it in playing situation. We're going to win every game. They went 8-0, and they came back the next year. And, of course, you know, they've been in the finals. They've had a third. Right. And look at how they look when he's out, right? The point is, you paid Bradley Beal like he's Devin Booker. Yeah. And I know you know that those two don't belong in the same sense, <laughs> right? Like, we all understand that at right. this point. And I'm happy. For, first of all, I'm happy Bradley Beal has all the money he's made. Right. Not even going that route. But I've seen enough. Yeah. Um, in the sense of why would you give him a no trade clause and bring him back when he sat out the bubble, sat out the Olympics, um, and has not, you know, led you out of the first or second round as the best player on this team? Like, I just don't understand why they did that. So now you ask me any question about the team, it starts the middle, <laughs> the end, it's all right there. Like, yeah. you know, Chris Stapp has magically worked out because he's been healthy. Kyle Kuzma has taken his game to another level. They go, oh, what's wrong with the team? Well, the guy you paid, Devin yeah. Booker money to, is not playing. Yeah, and that's really been the big issue. I mean, we've been talking about that here on these airwaves and, and locally uh, around the, the district since it happened this summer. It really just made no sense. And the salt in the wound for me was when the no trade clause is added, Chris, because then it's like, well, damn, you're really you're really locked in with this dude. This is the equivalent of of of, a, of not signing a prenup in a marriage. I mean, it's you are committed to this guy through through hell and high water. And if it's going to get unchy and he's going to force his way out, he's going to dictate the terms of where he goes. When you look at the overall organizational philosophy of this team, Chris, like how many other teams in the NBA do you think move with this type of mindset? Cause I know here locally, Ted has been accused of wanting to collect that playoff gate money. And that really seems to be his only focus right now is making the postseason, And right now they're in that middle ground to where they're going to be just bad enough to where they aren't a top six seed, but well, then they're I'll just good enough that. to make the play. Yeah. The intention of giving me a call because I would have told Ted 
hey, here's how you save the money and still do that. If that's what you're trying to accomplish, then you absolutely move Bradley Beal to a contending team that needs him. Right. You know, it's not like Bradley Beal is from sauce. Right. <laughs> like, right. He, it, it is a lot of Well, it depends on who you ask need. around here, bro, man. You know, you know how it gets around here. Hey, man, look, I can't see <laughs> the guy average 30 in an NBA season. I'm not going to say sauce. Right. But, like, I'll give you a team right now that not that I'm, as a Knicks fan, not that I want him. Oh. But if you put him next to Jalen Brunson, let Jalen Brunson be the main guy, and Bradley Beal kind of be like his sidekick, oh my gosh. Like, wow. that's, that's a team, like, they take it to that next level. Like, oh, they're a contending team. Like, the Knicks are not a contending team because it's like Jalen Brunson is like Julius Randle. Like, what? Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, where's the next guy? Where's the next guy? And I think that's kind of the weird thing is that I saw the Tyrese Halliburton quote. Mm. Like, so you could have had Tyrese Halliburton and Bradley Beal together. Now I can believe in, in you a little bit because you got, even now with Beal out, imagine if you have Halliburton, I guess you would still have Kuzma and Porzingis. Like the rest of the rosters, whatever. You can still do uh, it. Yeah. These guys developing, okay, whatever. I just think it's interesting that the Wizards keep drafting uh, these mid uh, to late lottery picks when it's like, no, no, no. At this point, you should be moving them because you're not hitting on them. Right. So if you get, you know, picked from nine to 15, you should probably move on from that pick and go get somebody that you think is going to win if you're trying to build, build around Bradley Beal. Now, I like Denny Abia. I like Corey Kispert, um, the rest of those guys, Johnny Davis and Rui Hachimura. I mean, nah. I don't believe in that. Not even Rui? Um, Rui's starting to come into his own a little bit. Trying you know, you're, to. You're, not paying, you're not paying attention to what's happening with him. Okay, what he does is when he runs against the second unit and the G League type guys that are in, he'll get you 20. He'll right. dominate those guys because he's better than them. But when it's time to play real basketball, yeah. like for me, Denny grabbing those 20 rebounds it's something, yeah. and him defending the best player, like you, you, I'm, I'm seeing enough from him where – if, if the Wizards don't use him right, somebody else will. Right. right? Like, he's a guy. He just, he'll affect winning uh, as young as he is. That's what he's going to do. Corey Kispert, shoot the ball. Always a spot for you on this league. As we see in Bo Buckets in Detroit. Remember, right. he was great in, in D.C. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's always a spot for guys like that. I, I'm just saying, Rui, I don't see those factors. It's just, oh, look, you had three games. You had five games where he scored 20. <laughs> yeah, that was supposed to happen a few years ago. Okay, what's going on? Yeah, so, yeah. I'll, I'll let you go yeah. on this. I'll let you go on this, Chris. I know I've, I've eaten up a lot of your time here, and I appreciate you giving me some, my man. Um, Johnny Davis. I, I spoke with somebody oh, on the condition of anonymity. On the condition of anonymity, uh, and they told me that when the Wizards player development coach worked Johnny Davis out. It was apparent right then and there based off of how much difficulty and how much bump he was giving Johnny that it wasn't going to work. Yet they still went out and drafted them. What the hell's going on in the Wizards front office? Because you mentioned their inability to hit on these lottery picks, but why? And that's, a so, real, that's, that's a real story. So take that for what you want. I don't know how many times you've I heard mean, of look, that, that happens. that happens all the time. Okay. I mean, I, look, that happened with Austin Rivers. Um, okay. You know, Austin Rivers worked out with the Pelicans and their player development guys were like, no, don't do this. And they drafted them. So this, this happened. This not going to act like this only happens with the Washington Woods, right? Now, 
front offices need to listen to these guys more. (laughs) 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 Um, But I tell you this much, as the second I saw him in, you know, I call games in the summer league. Right. And, man, I'll tell you, a lot of times these rookies come in and they look incredible. I mean, as much, think about this, as much grief that they gave Marcel Fultz, go watch his first two summer league games. And you would think, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to be a superstar. And then his shot went away. Like, right. you can go watch. You go, but in summer league, cook, right? Right. Uh, when I, I remember I saw the Pistons and Wizards game, and I was standing next to, like, Chase Hughes and Chris Miller, and I was like, oh, boy. So Jalen Duren was on the other team, mm-hmm. taking a few picks later, and I was like, uh, that's what Johnny Davis is supposed to look like. Yeah. This is not good. And the buzz around summer league was like, oh man, everybody else looks good except the Wizards pick. <laughs> so there's that. I mean, again, if you're serious about taking a leap, let's say Tyrese Halliburton was on the table, you mean to tell me you wouldn't have given up that tenth pick, right? Right. Because that's what, the tenth pick, like Rui and. Um, who else did I say earlier? Kisper. Not Kisper. Denny. Uh, not Denny. Who else was... Uh, of, of the young pieces they got, maybe Daniel Gafford and Tyson's people. I mean, that was another issue that they ran across. They don't really have a lot of good young assets. And the fact that... Yeah. yeah I the, guess Rui in the 10th pick. <laughs> like, <laughs> I dangle that. Or whatever else you want, but I would want to keep Kisper, Denny, Brad. I would want to keep my assets together. And, you know, if they add some more, I'd be like, I don't really want to part ways with it, but sure, for Halliburton, I would do it. My point is, like, Rui and that 10th pick should have been gone. Yeah. And once, you, once you gave Bradley Beal that contract, in my eyes, then that 10th pick in, the, in Rui needs to be something that's contributing to the team to be trying to move in a championship direction. Yeah, it is what it is. It doesn't look like championship is going to be Coming to D.C. No, anytime soon. When it comes to the basketball team, the Caps are playing well. But that, maybe that's, the go-go. Yeah, maybe the go-go. Who are doing a good job, by the way. I don't know if you saw Jordan Goodwin, Chris. How, have, have you had the chance to look at him a little bit? Yeah, actually, I did the G League Showcase. That's where I was talking with David Griffin. And, okay. and I watched the Wizards, uh, two of their games. There was someone else they had that, like, blew my mind. Um, but I can't remember right now. I was like, oh, he looks really good. Uh, it was a guard. Shackle. Say his name? Jordan Shackle. Probably. But I was like, what is he doing here? Right. <laughs> right. Why is he here? And then I, it was not Johnny Davis. That's not who I was asking that question. <laughs> Chris, I appreciate you giving me some time, man. We'll catch up soon. All right. That is Chris Miles. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Miles TV. Always one of my favorite guys to chop it up with, man. Just a bevy of knowledge on the NBA. Uh, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Chris Miles TV and check out NBA Game Time on NBA TV whenever you get an opportunity. Because we're already on the topic of the Washington Wizards, we'll continue the discussion about the Wiz when we come back. What the hell do they do moving forward? I'll tell you what I think next. This is the fan. Big thanks to Chris Miles of NBA TV for joining us in the last segment. Just a bevy of nuggets. Uh, from Chris on all things NBA. I had some interesting comments about the Wizards as well. Before we get to those comments, before we wrap things up here, some NFL news uh, before we hit the highway tonight. Colts owner Jim Irsay tweeted out 
about 20 minutes ago that the team just interviewed Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy for their opening uh, at the head coaching spot. As we all know, the Colts uh, firing head coach Frank Reich during the season and then going completely outside of the box and hiring ESPN analyst and former Colts center Jeff Saturday to be their interim head coach. He finished 1-7 down the stretch. Now, the belief is that Ursay will still interview Jeff Saturday for the position, but it's damn sure good to hear him going outside of the box and interviewing Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. That name is interesting here for folks locally in D.C. because a lot of people were of the belief that maybe if Eric Bieniemy does not find the right head coaching gig for him this offseason, that maybe, just maybe, at season's end when his contract expires with the Kansas City Chiefs, that maybe he'd be intrigued by the possibility of joining the Washington Commanders as the team's offensive coordinator. Newsflash, folks, if he's getting head coaching interviews and gigs, he's probably not going to be an OC next year. Also, Commanders fans, we could probably pipe down on the notion of that. It's interesting, though, because we talked about it earlier in the show, man. Offensive coordinators got to be solved here for the Washington Commanders. But the big issue, the big issue that still exists with this program is quarterback. And until they figure that out, doesn't matter who the damn offensive coordinator is. I want to shout out the guests who joined us tonight. Former Redskins tight end Rick Doc Walker joined us in the 7 o'clock hour. If you missed any of that, make sure you download the Odyssey app and use the rewind feature. Big thanks to former NFL GM Randy Mueller for giving us some time. Uh, if you use the Odyssey app and download it back to 8.30 uh, for my conversation with Randy Mueller. He was awesome. We talked all things NFL. And then Chris Miles, who just joined us in the past segment. That's going to do it for me tonight. I'm back with you tomorrow, 6.30 to 9, same place, same time, N-E-L-L underscore BTP. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.